This is Second Down on ESPN Radio. Christian Gokel alongside PJ Zuko and Cam Urshry. Glad to have you all hanging out with us here on this Thursday afternoon, wrapping up National Signing Day coverage. Uh, Texas A&M coming out with the number one overall spot there. we got so much to dive into today, but I want to start in a very important place. I went to the Dodgers office this morning, and everything's good. Okay. And for good. that reason, afterwards, I was like, you know what? Usually eat pretty healthy in the morning. Let's go get some donuts. Right. Got a dozen. Mm-hmm. Housed like two of them before I left the parking lot. There you go. And I had the thought, which is, I could probably, if I really put my mind into it. All right, this is dangerous now. Eat all of these donuts. Yeah. It wouldn't feel great. No. But, but I, I, I believe you could. I, I don't think you'd be very happy about it by the end or later that day. But uh, I think you could. I do agree with that. All right, so I think I could have done 12 there. My question to you guys is this. And these were like the cakey donuts. This isn't like yeah, the yeah. Krispy Kreme melt-in-your-mouth kind of donuts. These were the, the cakey donuts, right? Valentine's Day, too, so they got the big hearts right, and whatnot. Right, so like, and I, again, I felt like I could, I could easily, and I'm not like an overly large person, <laughs> like six feet tall, little over two bills. A little, yeah, large to me. Well, I mean, PJ, like, you know. 5'5", five, five, but. <laughs> well, my question to you is this. I put an unlimited amount of just the melt-in-your-mouth donuts in your face. How many can you house? Mm. I'll give you an hour. Because I feel like after, like, the first 20 minutes, you're going to feel sick for the rest of that hour. It's a gauntlet. So, so I feel like the most of them need to be destroyed in the first 15, 20 minutes. Do we have anything to wash it down with? Whatever you want. Oh. I would probably, for me, in an hour, maybe say 8 to 10. 8 to 10 could probably do that. But outside of that, um, I don't know if I could do a dozen in an hour. I don't want to be that sick. Really? Yeah. 8 to 10 in an hour. Yeah, eight to ten. Cam, you can you can do more. No, I can't. Than ten to a dozen. I'm not even a donut fan per se, like a huge donut fan. Okay. But okay, eight I to ten. I feel like maybe that's playing into it there a little bit. Yeah, I mean. Okay, but have you had the donuts we're talking about? Like where they're fresh <laughs> off the roller, they melt in your mouth immediately. It's just like sugar yes. with a little bit of flour. Like Krispy Kreme hot light. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You went, to, you went to school in Savannah. There were there were there were nights where one right you, you were maybe mm-hmm. slightly. Inebriated. Yeah, and I mean, that eight, happens. And people what? were, and you're, and and someone was was in the car, and they were like, "Look, the lights on," and you you maybe pulled in there. Nah, nah. no. I just you, you know, ought to. Oh, just on a weird day, I'll be driving. Oh, the hot lights on. Okay. And I, I could eat about eight. Yeah, I've done that before, but I, I don't know about it. Like before I leave the parking lot, like no problem. I'll say there are people that are insanely infatuated with that. Like I, I know people that will drive out of their way. Like they have the app on their phone yeah. when the hot lights on. Uh, there's an app? Yes. Yeah. Like I can get notifications? Yes. When, yes. Oh, when the hot lights on. Oh, my God. Yes. And I just know. I, I, I don't, uh, I mean, hot donuts are great, but I, I wouldn't go that far. That's a little That's a little ridiculous to me. But I need a number, PJ. With, with that being said, yeah. In an um, hour, I need a number. I think the drink thing, like the wash it down thing is interesting too because in my mind I'm like, I would probably start with coffee, but I'd have to switch to water at okay, some point. Okay, so I, I would not because you put 
stuff in your coffee. It, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah so you the put, sweetness yeah. level goes up even more and makes it even worse. I think I'd be able to stay with coffee because I drink it black. There you go. Yeah. And so the bitterness to the sweet ratio, just yeah. like a little, Might even like, like, out the, a little bit. like scrunching the donut up, one bite gone, and then just a little bit of sip of the coffee. Yeah. No, that's a good point. I think like no problem in an hour of like the hot and ready. Hot and ready. Wait a minute. Somewhere between 24 and 36. Ooh. Would I feel like trash for the next 24 hours? Yes, but yeah. I think I could do that. I think I nah, I, I think I could get to 20. Nah. I think I'd get between 20 and 25. I don't love donuts that. like that. 8 to 10 is good. For I like Okay, what mm, what food do you eat like like you have to control yourself when you eat it? You know what else I'm like this with is the uh the the crab stuffed rangoons like from Chinese restaurants. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like yeah, those, exactly. those are they come like the eight to ten, mm-hmm. and if I don't stop myself, they're gone before I get home. Yeah. I can say I'm obsessed with seafood. Okay. Right, define that. Like we're we talking like salmon patties, like salmon, anything, like literally anything, like except scallops. Scallops is scallops are delicious. Yeah. I'll say that like any kind of this. This might be an odd one. See, like I, obviously everyone loves like deliciously cooked sea bass. I'm talking to like what what things should you probably not eat that much of, but you have to kind of control yourself. Ooh, that's a tough. Like one. cookies, cake, milkshakes. Uh, man, I don't really like none of that. I not like a, not, I like no, smoothies. Not a sweet tooth. Nah, nah. I right, used well, to be back in the day. Well, see, there's the just difference. Completely. Like skittles. There's oh the man, it's like baked like baked goods are kind of like my go to you know especially when like it's like sunday or saturday morning right you want to be nice to your family or whatever you're just feeling good it's a good it's a nice day outside go to the store get some coffee get some baked goods bring it home like fresh and i always get way too much way too many. you know what's undefeated is so like then the... it's like well there's more and the family's not gonna have any more so i'll just have some more it's it's terrible the fruit the, the, the fruit pastry what is it called the danish like the yes. danish tray any is, kind of danish danish tray is undefeated All where it has like it. the cheese cherry blueberry and like something else mm. i'll say though that <laughs> the weird one for me that like that people i feel like people don't think about is they automatically go to like pizza or sweets or soda or whatever. Any kind of like Chinese food or or even I'll say like hibachi and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. If you put enough in front of me, like I will eat it until I that's the problem, right? It's like I've gotten to the point now with hibachi stuff and like sushi and things like that where I will get a lot so that I split it like I have to split it into two meals. Oh, I will house some sushi. It's very difficult, but I but I do it because like, you just said you're a seafood person. I do hate sushi though. You look right. down, you eat it all, and then you're like, "I'm nah. so stuffed right now, now it hurts." Like, like I ain't trying to do that. Like baked and fried chicken. Well, baked. I don't eat fried chicken that much anymore. But baked chicken, Same. absolutely, absolutely. I could eat baked chicken all day. I got like all day. I got some baked chicken in the fridge. I'm gonna eat after this. Why are we talking about healthy things? It started with donuts, and you guys took it to it. You guys took it to a weird place. Like, no, no, no. Cam did this. He brought this. No, up. no. Cam's trying to make us feel bad. I'm, I'm not gonna. Like, I'm not gonna let you. I'm not gonna let you do that. I used to be a huge fried chicken eater, but I don't. I'm just disappointed because I'm waiting for somebody to challenge me to see if I could prove it. That, that reason, I, that way, I would have a reason to oh, eat no, between yeah, 24 and 36 donuts. But uh, yeah. you guys just, you guys just fell on me right now. All right, let's talk some football. Yesterday was National Signing Day. 
And obviously, we got to have winners and losers uh, from National Signing Day. And I actually think one coach was a winner and a loser yesterday. If if you can do both, and usually yeah. it usually it comes from like just like not being able to stop talking, right? Which well, a, yeah. a lot of people suffer from that. But there's a, yeah, I was let's, about to say let's there's just, a lot of people who are winners and losers. Let's just talk about on the Cruton Trail. Uh, starting the obvious place, Texas A&M, number one overall class, number one class ever, according to a lot of these rivals, two four seven ESPN, number one class ever. They had twenty six of the ESPN three hundred. What? Ridiculous. 26 yeah. of the ESPN 300. That's a, that's a, that's a 12th. Yeah, that's a lot of people going to one school in, in the top 300 that, that basically your recruiting pitch is, yeah, we're an amazing uh, university, and also let's go beat Alabama. Like yeah. because well, what, that's a lot what of else pressure. is your recruiting? Because just last year, well, okay. who had the now, best well, class of now all time? You say that. Texas A&M, I think, is number one. Everyone always called Georgia like a sleeping giant. I think Texas A&M is a sleeping giant. Put 110,000 people at Kyle Field every single weekend. Yeah, for sure. You're the only Texas school as of right now in the SEC. So you're the Texas school representative in the biggest conference in the biggest collegiate sport. So Texas A&M, I always thought, it just like was kind of that sleeping giant. If anybody's going to consistently challenge Nick Saban in the West, I'm not saying it was going to be Jimbo Fisher. I just thought it could be... Texas A&M, right? So I get why kids would want to go there. Jimbo Fisher is one of the less than 10 coaches currently active in college football who have a national championship, right? Like, I get why people would want to go there, but the narratives that started coming out yesterday were, hey, uh, some some guy on a message board said that Texas A&M had $30 million to spend on this class. Whereas, like, was it last year where, like, the marketing came out and they said Georgia spent $3 million just on recruiting? And everyone was like, whoa. Yeah. Wow, they're saying that. Then again, this is I think sliced bread was his was his board name. Like so, it's like that's what that's coming from. But it kind of got legitimized because Jimbo Fisher mentioned it, like by name, mm-hmm. mentioned this guy. But so the rumors are out there that they spent all this money on the class. That's going to happen now with NIL and the transfer portal and all of that. That's going to happen. But it it doesn't surprise me that Texas A and M had the number one in the class. Because it's just it, it can't always be Alabama. They were number two, but it can't always be Alabama. And I really like the pitch that Jimbo Fisher was putting out to these guys. And I like the way they kind of attacked this class. They had four or five star defensive linemen, including another one that they added yesterday uh, in that class. So it's, you can kind of see where he's wanting to go with this class. But my question is, he's the winner from yesterday, and we're going to get to what he said that I think kind of made him a loser. But usually, when you get a number one overall class, it's just kind of like a feather in the cap. Helps your job security. I think Jimbo Fisher has set him up, set himself up in an interesting way with how much money he's being paid and the way they performed the last few years. That this actually increased the bullseye on his back. Yeah, I I agree. That's why I was getting. It. I think he might be a loser in this as well because it's like you you got the number one recruiting class. I think this is like the highest rated one of all time. And now the yeah. pressure is on. Like you have to win the national championship with this class right here or. What do we do with you? You have to beat Bama. I, I, I would say in the next couple of years he has to make the semifinals. Yeah, yeah, he has he has to beat Bama for one to even get there. But then two, man, you got yeah, you got to make the semifinals at least the next four years. You got to make. I say you have to make it twice. I don't think one time. Well, I think I think it's gonna be the next two years because I think if they have another nine and three, eight and four season next year, I think mm-hmm. Jimbo Fisher's on the hot seat, but he he won't be he won't get fired because. 
A, how much they have to pay him, but B, kind of where he's sitting. He's like, okay, I have the number one overall class, but I need a year to develop him. I think after that, if he has another 3-4 loss season or like doesn't make the SEC championship, then I think this could really start coming to the fact that, like, hey, maybe you aren't the guy for this job. And just how much money they're spending in all this, and it's just going to keep going up. Coaches' salaries and how much they're spending on NIL. and all. That. And I know that doesn't come from technically the school, but that's how much money is being spent on college football right now. I thought that was interesting. But Texas A&M, they're the winner from yesterday. Number one class ever. But at the same time, Jimbo Fisher, with some of the stuff he said, uh, just, the, the, again, the me thinks the lady does protest too much. Is like, Jimbo, why are you getting like on a high horse about this? And like, why, like, your soapbox is way out here right now. Yeah. And like two or three different interviews, he went after people. And it was just kind of Lane Kiffin making a joke, saying like, there's a salary cap in college football, just going after people. I was like, more one of those things where it's like, if you have the number one class, just kind of laugh. He called say, clowns at one point, yeah. I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Just kind of laugh and say, all right, that's fine. Like, whatever you guys think, we still have the number one class. I didn't know they yeah. play Miami this year at home. That's an interesting mm-hmm. game, but I, I'm looking at their schedule now. Yeah, it's gonna, gonna be it's gonna be rough for Miami. Uh, we we gotta take a quick break here. We're gonna talk about some more uh, a little bit later in the show because there's some other winners and losers I want to get to. LSU had an interesting day yesterday. Florida uh, had some swings and misses yesterday as well, but they really increased uh, their clash rankings uh, between yesterday and a couple of weeks before because they were down in the 60s, hanging out with uh, a few schools that. Florida should never be hanging out by uh, in football recruiting. But Billy Napier did a good job, but some swings and misses yesterday. But we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to catch up with the head football coach uh, for the Savannah State Tigers. As of right now, interim head coach. Hopefully soon to be just slashing off that interim and being the full-time head coach. Russell DeMossi is going to join us to discuss uh, what they did yesterday, signing over 30 guys, a lot of them local, to play for the Savannah State Tigers. We'll dive into his class next right here on ESPN Radio. Second Down on ESPN Radio is presented to you by the Uniform Source. Two different locations in Savannah to take care of all of your uniform needs. National Signing Day wrapping up yesterday, but still a a really big period between yesterday and the start of fall camp uh, where a lot of players can sign. But really cool uh, to see players all around the state of Georgia yesterday signing to continue their football career in a school that signed over 30 players, a lot of them from right down here in the 912 Savannah State interim head coach Russell DeMossi, good friend of our program, uh, kind enough to take some time on a day that I'm sure, Russell, you were either A, looking to get back on the recruiting trail, uh, but B, or B, just some rest. I, I appreciate you just hopping on with us here for this nonsense. You know, hey, Christian, appreciate, always appreciate you having me. It's a little bit of both, you know, get a little bit of rest, but it doesn't stop. So, you know, we're on to the 23s now, and uh, still got a few more spots in the 22 class. So, um, I'm just excited, excited about the guys you brought in yesterday and excited about the future guys that we'll be able to recruit as well. Russell, uh, I want to start here because I thought you made an interesting point yesterday uh, in your press conference, and it's something that Ben has talked about a lot about why he went to Florida is you are in an interesting situation having to recruit as the interim head coach. I know the, the search still ongoing, and you are a big part of that uh, and a big candidate there to have that interim tag removed, but as you're going out, obviously these players aren't dumb. They they know that you're coming in as potentially a temporary role. But what you said about, hey, don't commit to me, commit to an institution. How did the guys receive that when you spoke to them about that? The guys that we signed, it was great. I mean, I really think that's what you got to do whenever you're picking a school. You know, coaches come and go. It's just a fact. Players come and go. But, you know, the majors you want are going to be there. If you like the atmosphere, if you like the dorms, if you like the cafeteria. 
all those things will remain the same. You know, the people around campus, the teachers, if you're comfortable with that, uh, you're picking the right school. You know, like I told them, you know, we could end up getting this thing and they could feel like they made a great choice. They could go somewhere else and they could have a great year or a bad year and that coach could get let go. And we're, we're still here. They could feel like they made a bad choice. It goes both ways. He's got to make the best decision for himself. Um, and that's what we just try and give him all the opportunities to see what he's getting himself into. And, um, we, we, we want guys that want to be at Savannah State. That's what it comes down to, and they got to love the campus, love the community, love the environment, and uh, that's why we got most of the guys we did. What was the strategy for you guys going out this year? I know uh, Coach Quinn moves on uh, there to Virginia Tech, but I'm always interested in the, the recruiting strategy because I, I know prior to you guys taking over there uh, at Savannah State, it was a lot of Florida, a lot of Atlanta, and then as Coach Quinn kind of took over, and you obviously familiar with the South Georgia area, it really seemed like the, the radius from around Savannah started shrinking a little bit, and you guys started targeting more and more of the 912 and just around South Georgia out to Valdosta and Lee and all of that. What was the strategy uh, this past year as you guys were recruiting? You know, it, it's the same thing we've used in the past two years is find the best players within our backyard, you know, within close radius that people are even able to come watch them play on Saturdays. And keep them home. Um, you know, we obviously got to recruit the whole state. And we got to we got to recruit everywhere. But if we don't let them out close to here, I think they're some of the best talent in the nation uh, in, in South Georgia in the nine one two. So we keep the best players here. We're we're going to be in good shape. Um, you know, for years to come, hopefully. And what are those relationships like with the coaches down here? Because I know you've played for some of these guys. Uh, your dad, obviously, still a coach down here uh, in the Savannah area over at Islands High School. Uh, what is how much? I guess I should say, do those relationships help just knowing these guys? for as many years as you have now? You know, you have to have the relationships to be able to recruit. Um, you know, before, Savannah coaches didn't feel like we came in and recruited their guys and gave them a fair shot. We, they just thought we were going out to other counties and uh, trying to bring people in far away. Well, we had to change that strategy, and we, uh, we certainly did. Keeping them here is it, it's monumental, and knowing the coaches is the only way to do that. You know, the coaches will let them know about your program. They'll tell you if they've had good experiences with you and they, when they speak with you. You know, if they're trying to sell you a guy and, and you don't hit them back, but when you all of a sudden when you want something, you hit them up, you know, that's not going to work. And that's what we've really done a good job of. All our coaching staff has done a good job of is just making sure we're in constant communication with, with the Savannah people and, and coaches. Because they really know their players and they know the guys that can play at our level. We well, it seems like a smart business decision. And, uh, oh, go ahead. Keep on, uh, just just keep that keep those relationships going. That's all I'm saying, man. It's, it's got to continue. You can't just stop because it's good enough. It's never good enough. And it seems like a smart business decision too, though, right? Because one of the biggest things you want is to have a, a packed-out home stadium there, and if you can keep guys from McIntosh and Glen County and Liberty County and Savannah and Chatham, if you can keep them there, then you have, you, I guess, increase the local interest. And I think we kind of saw that. Obviously, 2020 was tough. But last year, once you guys were started to allow more and more people into the stands, I thought you started to see the benefits of that is people want to come out and see kids that they saw in high school. They definitely do. And when it's easy to get there, that's, that's, a, huge, that's a huge thing. You know, these kids are less than three hours away normally. That's a day trip for most people. Um, and they're able to get here, support, support the loved ones, and support the guys on the team. Just bringing the community together, getting more people in the stands, um, that's what we're about. And if we recruit guys from around here, guys that are familiar with Savannah State, maybe their son or their father played for Savannah State, um, that'll get more people in the stands. And you know it's a lot easier to play in front of a lot of people than nobody. All right, so you guys signed some really good players uh, from around the area. A lot of guys uh, that were on some of our uh, teams that we honored for the Savannah area and for the coastal Georgia area. I want to start, though, with a guy from Beach, uh, Amir Phillips. I He was one of those guys. We saw him play a few times uh, this past year during our coverage. 
But you go back and you look at his stats, and it's like over 140, 150 tackles uh, playing in a really good region there. I think he's going to be a dude at the next level. Definitely. Um, you know, we watched him on film. We knew right away that we wanted Amir to be in uh, Savannah State colors, the orange and blue. I got to be honest with you, though, when I found out that his dad was an alumni, that Amir lived in uh, Flick, which is one of our dorms on campus, between when he was, I think, age one and four, one and five, um, we did everything we possibly could to get him here. And, and, and you know, he's a great player. He's going to make plays on the field. He's a tackle machine. He's not afraid of anybody. He gets downhill. He can run sideline to sideline. But, man, he's a heck of a person. He's a leader. And I think he's a guy that's going to come in here right away and, uh, you know, demand the best out of everybody. And if you can find a Mike linebacker, a little linebacker who can do that, I think your defense can be pretty good. Another kid that's a local from McIntosh, Quan Proctor, a guy who is all-region linebacker as well but can play a little bit of offense as well. What are you guys expecting out of him? A lot, a lot. And, and immediately when he steps off campus, highly recruited guy. Um, you know, I, I said it yesterday, he's got the speed of a, of a DB safety and he can play uh, outside linebacker, he can play will linebacker, he can rush the passer from the defensive end position. Um, we're looking at lining him up all over the field and uh, giving him an opportunity to go one-on-one. But, man, he, he's hard to block. He's fun to watch. Um, and hopefully he's going to create some sacks and some turnovers for us uh, in the near future. And, uh, you know, teammate, too, Will Jones, man, those two guys, uh, I love both of them. They both got up here the same day. They had a great time in their visit. We've got a former uh, McIntosh County guy, um, Trent Johnson, playing running back for us. He really sold us. You know, they wanted to come play with him. And um, both those guys are super excited about Will's going to line up at all four defensive, uh, defensive tackle, defensive end spots. And uh, I think it, both of them are going to be a lot of fun to watch. So after the end of the season, you guys lost, I thought, a couple of really key leaders for your team and really good football players, uh, Walter Yates and D'Angelo Durham, uh, both deciding to take that last year eligibility, take that free transfer, uh, and see where they could go and hopefully improve their draft stock. Who are some guys that you're looking up to step up to replace them? Uh, you know, we had running backs. We were running back by committee last year. We played three guys behind him that got over, I think, 40 carries. Um, they're, they're good players. Uh, me and Stevens is back. Uh, he's a local guy, Savannah guy, transferred him from Nor Ryan. Didn't get to play last year, but he's on track to uh, be able to play. And he's, he's a monster with the ball in his hands. Um, great player. And then a linebacker, you know, we only have two guys on scholarship coming back. Um, that's why we went out and signed six of them. We got to find somebody to come in and play right away. Um, you know, we recruited an alumni son again at, at middle linebacker, uh, Cam Leonard. Uh, he, he's instinctual. Uh, he reminds me a lot of Desmond Young from the 2019 defense. Uh, gets everybody lined up, makes sure everybody knows where to go, and then he makes the play. Uh, and he's really fun to watch. So all the linebackers come in. It's Vardy Bruton from Island, um, Dennis Mims from uh, Appling County, who can play running back or linebacker. I think he's a force to be reckoned with on defense on the edge. Just a lot of guys and a lot of young guys. So should be fun. Might be, it might be a little hard at first. You know, they might take their lunch. They don't have as much experience as older guys, but I can tell you this, they're, they're not less talented. Catching up with Russell DeMossi, interim head coach at Savannah State. Uh, and again, wrapping up a signing class where they saw 30 guys come in to take their talents to the next level, bring it to Savannah, uh, and hope to build on an 8-2 and two finish back in 2021 and hopefully make the playoffs coming up in 2022. Uh, Russell, I know football coaches don't like praise, but I think it's really impressive uh, what you and your staff did just getting these guys to commit. And I think a bunch of really good football players, names a lot of us know, I think that's super impressive that you guys were able to do it uh, under the circumstances you were dealing with. But I do need your expert opinion on a couple of things before we let you go. Uh, number one, obviously the Super Bowl's coming up. You got the story of Matt Stafford, who spent 12 years in the NFL, 
First year he gets out of Detroit, he's in a Super Bowl. And then on the flip side of it, you have a guy in Joe Burrow at the quarterback position who has never lost a playoff game, including in college. Uh, how excited are you just as a quarterback guy to watch this Super Bowl? Awesome, man. A guy that's been wanting to get there for a long time and a guy that we're pretty familiar with playing in championships over the past couple of years. I mean, you know, both of them, great quarterbacks, a little bit different of a style. You know, Stafford can sit in that pocket, man, and he's got one of the biggest arms I think, you know, the game's ever seen. And uh, it's fun to watch. I'm glad he's getting an opportunity. And I think it was after 13 years getting into the Super Bowl. Um, and it was a new team. That's pretty special, too, to come in the first year and be able to do that. And then Joe Burrow, man, everybody thinks he's just a pocket passer. That's one of the most athletic guys playing quarterback that there is. Some of the plays he made, like the third down to five last week where he escaped the sack, you know, ducked, spun, went and got a first down with his legs. I mean, you can't teach that. He brings that to the game. I think that's why the Bengals are so special. And then Jamar Chase just getting wide open after he's scrambling. Uh, it's something to see. They have that chemistry from, you know, probably over, I think it's three years of playing, four years of playing. Uh, super excited to see it. Um, I don't have a dog in the hunt. You know, I just, I just hope it's a good game and I can watch it to the end of the fourth quarter. And I hope they put on an exciting finish. Uh, but if, if I had to, had to take a guess. I want to see uh, Stafford get it done in his 13th year because I know Burrow will be back sometime soon. How much uh, physical pain does it cause you watching the Bengals' offensive line try to protect Joe Burrow? You know, it's. It, it, I don't really uh, – how do I put this? I can't fault them. They're going against absolute animals on the defensive line. I mean, these guys are freaks of nature. Uh, and it's tough, man. Playing offensive line is one of the tough positions besides quarterbacks. You know, because everybody sees it. Everybody sees the defensive tackle coming free or the defensive end, you know, beating the, beating the tackle and, and getting around the end to, to strip sack the quarterback. Um, but the Bengals have really pulled it together. I, everybody was talking about them before last week, you know, that they were a liability for Burrow. But, man, they got into the Super Bowl. They can't be that bad. Okay, if you're giving them advice on how to deal with Aaron Donald up the middle as an offensive coordinator, what, what's the game plan? Put everybody on him. <laughs> Put everybody on him. Add an extra lineman in there. Maybe have... Whoa. I don't know if the NFL does like two two man routes, but uh, could we see some in the Super Bowl? I don't know. I don't know. It'd be interesting. That would be first, what would that be? First time all season? I'm not sure, man. It's going to be a good one. Teams are going to come out crazy plays, trick plays, uh, try and guard. You you get a little bit of momentum in the Super Bowl, man. That's the recipe to win. All right. Final question here, Russ, because we were talking about it earlier. You're a football guy. If I put just an unlimited amount of fresh-off-the-roller Krispy Kreme donuts in front of you, how many can you put down in an hour? I'll definitely take a whole box. I don't know if I can pass that. Uh, my stomach might start getting to me, but Krispy Kreme donuts had them in there for signing day yesterday. Four boxes were gone in about 15 minutes between, I think, four or five coaches. I mean, it was unbelievable. I'm not a big donut guy, man. I love breakfast sandwiches. You know, go to McDonald's and get, you know, sausage biscuits, sausage muffins. Oh, yeah. Um, Shoot, those, those, those donuts start getting to me pretty quickly. I ain't going to lie to you. All right, which coach on the staff then could put down the most? I'm going with Coach Sims and Coach Trist, and it's going to be a tight one. It's going to be a tight one. Um, both are big guys, you know, <laughs> over 6'3", uh, close to 300 pounds, and they put down the donuts yesterday. I think they were trying to have a competition uh, in between phone calls with all the recruits. There you go. Still using the fax machine. we got to love it. Russell DeMossi, interim head coach of the Savannah State Tigers. Kind enough to take some time with Russ. We really appreciate the time, man. Look forward to talking to you soon. I always appreciate you guys having me on. and uh, Go Tigers. Again, just uh, an awesome story there uh, with Russell and the Savannah State Tigers. 8-2 and two 
uh, in Sean Quinn's last year there in 2021. He's moved on. Uh, he's part of Brent Pry's new staff up there at Virginia Tech. Russell DeMossi announced as the interim head coach uh, after Coach Quinn departed there and has just done a phenomenal job keeping this class together and signing, again, a bunch of really, really good local players, some guys uh, that had offers from schools uh, like East Carolina and Tennessee State, but kind of spurned them and decided to stay local. And they're building something cool at Savannah State. I know I've said this ad nauseum uh, on the show here, Cam, but I, I think it's time to take the interim tag off and just why would you mess with something that's working? Uh, I agree. Well, I told you um, when I first got there at State as a freshman and sophomore in 2016-17, uh, it was in a bad state when it came to football. Coach Quinn got there. Um, obviously, Coach Demasi has turned things around, and things have looked on the up and up. Like, the culture is different. People are coming to the games. The team is obviously a lot better. I mean, I think it's time to take that interim tag off, too. I mean, what are you – at this point, what are you looking for in the coach? He's done everything. He got the recruiting class that you need to compete yep. for the next year when you've seen a lot of your guys from this year go in the transfer portal and just kind of go elsewhere, and he still brings in the competitive class to compete. And it's like each and every year, so I agree with you. Well, I think it's fascinating because we even heard the guys up at Georgia Southern talk about it. Clay Helton mentioned it uh, in his opening press conference, which is we don't have to go outside of 100 miles. Colleges that you have in the state to compete against, like if you talk about California, you talk about Texas, there's a ton of schools in there that you're having to compete against. Savannah State, there's, there's no other D2 school until you get to Valdosta. And think about all the schools that they're competing against or, for the, or all the schools that are in between those two that they can compete for players for. I, I think what Coach Quinn and now Coach DeMossi have done is they realized, right, they were talent here, and we can take that. And as well as there's always going to be the guys that transfer in that maybe you can take from a school where they just weren't getting playing time, and so you can bring those type of guys in there. But just the recruiting talent in South Georgia is so good that you can build a team that can compete for playoff spots and national championships. What's so impressive is what you said. They're flipping guys that's going that were, you know, look, being lipping guys to come to a Division two school, that speaks for recruiting, um, what they believe in that coaching staff and what they could do in the future. When you get guys to say, hey, I know you, this place is, you know, X, Y, and Z, but this is what we can offer, and this is the type of coaching we could bring to you, the tradition, and what goes yeah. on at the H Times, in my opinion, and they need to take the interim tag off. I yeah. do agree. And like I said, it just it's a smart business decision. My Stadium is literally located in Savannah. We're Savannah State. And if I have a kid who had 50 people at his signing day that were there to support him and he's in the city of Savannah, guess what? Probably 50 people who are going to buy tickets and come watch our games. Yep. Right? So it's just if you you build that local chemistry and then all of a sudden, I, I know I always spoke about with Coach Quinn, is you, you make it a destination for Saturdays in the fall. You yep. get, what, five or six of those a year? I've you never get, seen you, Savannah yeah, pack like yeah, it is now. But you get you get live college football five six times a year, mm-hmm. right in your backyard. You get that making an environment, making state is on the verge of something special. I think the best way to do that keep doing what you've been doing. We got to take a quick break here again. Big thanks to Coach Demasi for hopping with us there. We'll come back. We'll talk about some of the winners and losers again from national. That being said, Savannah State positive story. There were some negative stories yesterday on signing day and. Listen, let's start with Florida. Let's just get it out of the way. Did they finish with a top 25 class? Yes. But yesterday, Florida fans woke up with their chest poked out 
saying we're about to hop in the top 15, maybe top 10. We're about to get some five stars because we didn't do that with Dan Mullen. <laughs> but here comes Coach Napier, and we're about to just start going blow for blow for blow with Georgia, and it's going to be fine. And then 10.30 rolls around. Then noon rolls around. It's okay. we got a big-time running back in uh, Trevante Citizen. He's coming. Commits to Miami. All right, You're, it's tough, but we got two fifteen rolling around. Caleb Douglas, big three star wide receiver, can stretch the field. Florida, all right, all right, we got that three star wide receiver. Let's go to work. Four thirty was what everyone was waiting for for Florida, because the narrative of Dan Mullen was he can outcoach anybody on the field. Struggles getting the big time players. Billy Napier earlier in the day tweeted out the sunglasses emoji. Everyone's freaking out. Commits to LSU. And it's just kind of a gut punch for Florida. And then Jacoby Matthews, a four-star safety later on last night, commits to Texas A&M. <laughs> gotta be gotta be careful when you're when you're doing that. On but I mean, is, do you guys put any stock in that? Like the whole like Florida can't get five stars. Like, do you put any stock in that, or is it just simply Billy Napier taking over later in the recruiting cycle, competing against Alabama, Texas A&M, Clemson, Georgia for these guys? I, I don't understand how uh, Florida's not it's getting time. Florida. That's that's why I'm I'm shocked at because I'm looking at it. I, I see North Carolina's ahead of them with yep. two five stars. You know, Kentucky and Missouri ahead of Florida when mm-hmm. it comes to football. Like I ah that's shocking. And I, I know I'm a Georgia fan, but seeing Florida kind of like not even a, in the top fifteen as far as recruiting is kind of a bummer because you still like competitive college football. Yeah. Man, Florida's – I mean, you you look at Florida, that's like one of the cream of the crop jobs to have and one of the places to play for, and now it's kind of like, eh. So. And I want to go through some other winners real quick because I want to come back to Florida. Georgia's a winner from yesterday. Uh, I know you missed out on a couple of linemen that you thought you maybe could get, but you do keep Christian Miller at home uh, from Cedar Grove, four-star defensive lineman. You add him, and then you get Andrew Paul, the running back, uh, you beat out Michigan and Clemson for him out of Texas. And then from Fitzgerald, you add three-star linebacker E.J. Lightsley, who was originally committed to Florida. So you you keep him at home. And then just a couple other ones. I thought Miami and uh, Mario Cristobal did a good job. We talked about Trevante Citizen flipping over uh, and going to them. They picked up a couple of big-time linemen as well. And then Dan Lanning, uh, if you get a chance to go look at Oregon's class, I think Dan Lanning, in the limited amount of time he had, did a pretty nice job. Actually flipped a running back. Uh, from Georgia to go up to Oregon and then kept a bunch of in-state guys at Oregon that were talking about going to USC and some other places. But we were talking about Florida there, and I don't think this is just a knock on Florida. I think it's Miami and Florida State. There's a reason why all of these schools have had coach turnover in the past couple years, right? Dan Mullen gets fired, right? Uh, Mike Norvell is coming into his second year. You just had Manny Diaz get fired. You know which school? You know which school? had the most of the top 30 players out of the state of Florida? Yeah. Georgia. Wouldn't, wouldn't surprise me if it was Georgia. The University of Georgia. Yep. Because I, I know it's been that way for the past few years, right? I mean, mm-hmm. this has been a constant theme. Yep. And that's that's part of, of Kirby Smart. I mean, uh, again, like Georgia, uh, Florida, excuse me, is one of the hotbeds of recruiting. It, it's where a lot of teams, especially those higher echelon teams, get their players. I mean, you go to Texas, you go to Georgia, you go to Florida – and, and maybe some from California, and those are your top four states, really, in, in 
you know, high school football. Same All right. So, Hulk, walking your door and kicking you in your teeth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So hold on real quick. This is the state of Florida per 247. Shamar Stewart's the number one overall player, Texas A&M. Uh, Gabriel Dindy, Texas A&M. Jihad Campbell, Alabama. Marvin Jones Jr., Georgia. Jaheim Singletary, Georgia. Dalen Everett, Georgia. It takes till you get to the seventh guy in Kamari Wilson before you get to Florida, and then Sam McCall is going to Florida State. Ninth overall player, Barry Alexander, Georgia. Tyler Booker, Alabama. Yeah. Four out of the top ten players out of the state of Georgia or out of the state of Florida are going to Georgia. Right. It's crazy. That's and Kirby Smart said it after beating who? Florida. You can't out coach great recruiting. Mm-hmm. You can have the best scheme you've ever heard of in your life. You can get. Uh, God, who's the Steelers defensive coordinator that had the uh, zone blitz? Come on, PJ. I mean, which? Come on, no, the the, the Steelers Dick defensive LeBeau? Dick LeBeau. Yeah. You can have Dick LeBeau out there calling plays, but if I have five-star wide receivers and you have the 75th ranked class. Yeah, it's going to be true. tough to compete. Yeah. yeah, so it's just, it is what it is, but I, I thought Kirby Smart kind of said it after Jacksonville, and you go back and look at this. The reason why you have a bunch of new head coaches in the state of Florida right now is that exact reason. Yeah. They are getting their butts kicked in their own state. And I think Mario Cristobal is going to be able to do a good job in Miami because he's a Miami dude. right? I think he's going to be able to good, do a good job. Just they, What do they call it? The, the state of Miami? Mm-hmm. right? I think they'll be a, do a good job just like put a wall up around South Florida, keep those guys in. I think Miami's a team to watch. I, I'm in a big wait-and-see mode with Florida State and Florida right now. Yeah, absolutely. And I think part of that is is that turnover at the coaching position over the past – Few years for these guys. I think it goes. So you, hand you think in it's hand, like you right? think it's like, like the brutal circle. It's just like you yeah, fire you, yeah. yeah, you fire you fire the coaches because they can't recruit, but then you can't recruit because you keep firing the coaches. Right, right, huh? exactly. And you get more of this happening where it's it's you know think of Florida and how their season ended, how their season really mm-hmm. fizzled out. I mean, I I don't like talking about you know teams not coming together or players quitting or anything like that, but that wasn't a team at the end of the year. No. like they, they they were by no means. Uh, together, I don't think they were a team. Other. I don't. I don't think they were a team. I know now we're like just kind of pouring dirt on Dan Mullen's grave here, but it's uh, it's you go back to last year after the bowl game, yeah. Like and it starts at the top. Oh, like oh, what? What? OU? Yeah. Like what kind of coach comes after a game who still has players playing for him and says that that wasn't twenty twenty Florida, right? Right. That that wasn't our best. That wasn't that wasn't us. Yeah. And he wasn't saying it as like a, hey, you didn't get our best ever. He was saying, no, no, that, this game doesn't count because the guys I have out there weren't actually our best players, and so it doesn't count. This isn't us. This isn't Florida. Yeah. Like, it, it started then. Absolutely. Completely agree. Because, I mean, like you said, you're in a locker room. What, what player that played in that game and did everything they could to win that game is sitting in the locker room listening to their coach say that and being like, man, I can't wait to play for that guy next year. Nobody. Like, you don't, you don't say that about those guys. And uh, I think... Like you said, that that spilled over here into uh, 2021, and that's why we kind of got the showing from Florida. And, and now you're getting the same thing in, in the recruiting ranks, I think. I don't think this is on Napier uh, by any means. I, I'm not judging him. Uh, that was the most Southern I've ever heard you sound ever. Re- I hope we can clip that audio because you I, you just hit Napier with some twang on it. You had I, some I guess, sauce I on I Napier. I just I don't know. I, I'm not putting it on him. I, I very much... Can't wait to, to see what he does moving Here, forward. Here's the exact quote from Dan Mullen. Again, I know he got fired already. The last game the 2020 team played was 11 days ago. Yeah. Like that, I mean, that's that's just, it, it is what it is. But we got to take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll wrap up second down next. Got a big show coming up for you guys today on 3 and Out. BJ Bennett, Ben Troop, and Kevin Thomas taking you to 6 o'clock. 
Uh, going to be joined by Newey Scruggs there. Uh, I mean, eight-time Emmy Award winner out of Dallas. Going to be talking about the Brian Flores situation with the guys. Also, Chris Gordy uh, from Houston as well. They're going to be talking some SEC crouting with us. Talking about Jimbo Fisher. You know, real upset about some stuff yesterday. Uh, and then our good friend Jake Roos from Roos Recruiting, Dogs HQ on On3.com, going to hop on to talk about Georgia's class, potentially adding another defensive lineman out of Milton who has reclassified for 2022. All that up 